Hey, welcome to TPT's podcast. I'm Dan Friel, and I have with me, as always, Josh Brown. Josh, how are you? Doing well, Dan. Good to be back for another week of the podcast. Indeed. And Maury Hirsch-Gordon. Maury, how are you doing? Same, Dan. Doing well. Guys, we're halfway through the application period for TPT 2017, and uh, teams are really moving and shaking right now. Yeah, Dan, I actually, I'm writing an article about that just right now. I actually, I have some numbers that I can say, uh, you know, that you mentioned it. I mean, uh, we have 152 teams in TBT, 41 eligible teams, uh, 31 alumni teams right now trying to get their way in. Uh, A a number that kind of shocked me, over 36,000 votes already that fans have cast. So uh, you mentioned it, Dan, teams are moving, they're shaking, they're recruiting fans. There's alumni teams, non-alumni teams. Uh, there's already three accepted teams and Team 23, always a brave in Team Colorado. So uh, it's really getting exciting. Beheim's Army came back in on Monday, too. That was a big development in the Northeast. Yeah, it's always, they kind of generate headlines. They love, uh, you know, they're, I mean, they're, they're really good at it, at, you know, social media and everything. People love, uh, either love them or love to hate them. So either way, uh, they kind of, they, they draw the crowds in. So that was good to see them come back. That's going to be great. All right. We got a couple of great interviews today, guys. Uh, Maury, I know that you spoke with Sean Green of Team Utah, right? Yeah, Dan, I did. And, you know, Sean and I talked a lot about basketball, a lot about TBT and, you know, the evolution of Team Utah and how, uh, you know, they've been under the radar for the last couple of years. You know, they've gotten to the to the Super 16 every single year, 2015, 2016. Um, unfortunately, they've come up just a bit short uh, in the Super 16 in 2015. And then, you know, in the round of eight last year, they lost to Team Colorado uh, in that West Regional Championship, a good old Pac-12 showdown uh, from their college days. But Sean and I a lot, spoke a lot about off the court and what he's doing to give back to the community, Dan. You know, he started a great organization called Congo Basketball. He started it with one of uh, his friends uh, from college at Utah who is a linebacker on the football team. And it's like a strength and uh, training facility that helps, uh, you know, children from, ch- children from, you know, the Beehive State all around play AAU basketball and organized basketball. And he helps those kids who didn't make high school teams, didn't make JV teams, didn't make teams in middle school. So he's not just, you know, coaching the the bright young stars in Utah. He's coaching the ones that, you know, have been written off because he was once written off when he was in his youth and he made it uh, to the NCAA tournament and he made it to, you know, some of the highest levels of, of basketball and he wants to just give back. That's great. And Josh, you had a great interview as well with Darren Collison, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, coach of Team Challenge ALS, a, a point guard on the Sacramento Kings in the Western Conference. And yeah, great guy to talk to. He's really excited about coaching that team, not only for the talent they have, but for the cause that they're playing for. Obviously, uh, playing to help you know strike out ALS with Pete Frady, the booster on the team. And he was really excited about that. I mean, uh, thankfully, he doesn't have any kind of personal connection to the disease, but he just talked about how he did his research on it when Sean Marshall, the G and a forward on the team, uh, a BC grad, asked Darren Paulson if he wanted to participate. Darren did his research on it uh, and just, you know, he kind of was moved by the cause. And then, um, you know, just to be able to coach, which is something that's a new experience for him. He doesn't have a lot of experience coaching. It's more obviously just playing. Uh, he was excited for so uh yeah he's really uh kind of amped to go now that his nba season's over he's really kind of tuning in getting ready for tbt learning more about some of the guys he's going to coach and uh he was really excited about the roster he has he really thinks that they can compete at a high level uh you know play for the two million and hopefully help out a good cause so uh, i think you guys will really enjoy what you hear from darren all right that's great let's go to darren collison's interview first and then we'll follow that up with maury's interview with sean green of team utah 
Welcoming in now Darren Collison, point guard for the Sacramento Kings and the coach of Team Challenge ALS this summer, one of the teams applying out of the West region. Darren, how are you doing? I'm going good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for joining, Darren. And a lot to get to. Obviously, you're going to be coaching this Team Challenge ALS team. Really, just a great cause, which we'll get into. But uh, first of all, how about you just tell the people, how did you get involved with the team? I saw uh, you supported uh, that BC alumni team last year who was playing for Pete Frady's. Now you're going to be actually coaching the team. So how did you get involved with Team Challenge ALS? Yeah, well, Sean, Sean Marshall actually played for the team you know, last year. Um, and, you know, I saw what he was trying to play for. You know, he just wasn't trying to play basketball at the same time. He was trying to actually play for a cause. And I actually like the cause. You know, it's something that's been going around, you know, for a while, the strike LAS, you know, and, you know, I decided to support it. Um, as far as myself is concerned, um, you know, I just think it's something that, you know, I can help out along the way as far as coaching. It's a challenge for me too, you know, not just being a player, but it's kind of fun coaching, so I look at it as a challenge as well. And I was going to ask you, do you have any, uh, you know, prior experience coaching? Is this kind of your first foray into it? I know you've run a couple of basketball camps you have over the years, but is this your first time coaching, uh, you know, really high-level players at this level? Say it again. I, I do notice that you, uh, you know, you've run some basketball camps in, in previous years, but is this kind of your first foray into, you know, high-level coaching at this level? You know, the games are going to be on TV. Uh, is this the first time you've kind of done anything like that? Yeah, this is actually my first time, you know, doing this uh, at this level. Um, so I think it's going to be a unique experience. And obviously we've had Wesley, uh, Wesley Matthews uh, coach that Marquette alumni team. He's with the Dallas Mavericks, and he has obviously done a very good job with them. But yeah, you mentioned it kind of in the intro there. Uh, just what does it mean to you to, to be able to play uh, for Pete? You guys are trying to obviously raise money for ALS. What does it mean for you to be able to coach for such a great cause? And, uh, you know, like you mentioned, not only do something new in coaching, but uh, do it for Pete and for, you know, thousands and, and hundreds of thousands of other families that are struggling with the disease. Um, I think it means a lot because it gives you more of an awareness one. And, um, you know, if you actually dig deep and do your own research about what it means, um, it's actually a great cause um, for myself and for everybody that, you know, that's supported with me, whether it's my family or friends, it gives them an idea of what I'm trying to do this for. Um, I know that's been around for a while where on social media, everybody had, you know, um, to do the ice bucket challenge. So it was my first time doing the ice bucket challenge, you know, before this tournament started. And I want to do a little bit more research. And when I did my research, I liked what I saw. Uh, how was I, you know, saw the video of you doing the ice bucket challenge. Was it as cold as it looked? Say it again. I, I saw the video of you doing that ice bucket challenge. Was it as cold as it looked? Oh, man, was it? <laughs> <laughs> it was cold. Yeah, and certainly, again, like you mentioned, for a great cause. Uh, I know it's still a couple months away, but how do you anticipate on preparing coaching this team? I mean, like you mentioned, your first time getting into coaching. So what are you going to do? Are you going to be watching video? Are you going to be, uh, you know, drawing up plays? What's kind of your preparation going to be? You know, I don't want to give too much, you know, out there, you know, but, you know, I've been around a lot of good coaches. You know, I play for a lot of good coaches, and, you know, I'm going to take some of the things that I learned from them, from a mental preparation, you know, whether it's practice or how we prepare for the games, it doesn't matter. 
it's all going to be included. But, you know, I don't want to get too much secrets out there, but just know that we'll, we'll be ready by the time game one starts. I, I'm sure you will be looking at the roster. Uh, what do you think of, of the guys on the team so far? I mean, I actually wanted to tell you a story. So I'm actually interviewing uh, D. Bost tomorrow, who's going to be one of the point guards on your team. He played his college ball at Mississippi State, and he's had a great career overseas. And uh, once he entered on your team, we actually had a GM who reached out to us and said, uh, he, he basically sent the message, oh my God, that guy's amazing. Uh, and it kind of goes up and down the roster. You have Jerry Smith, who was very big at Louisville, uh, and, and really up and down. So what do you think of the guys on the team so far? I think we have a really good team, you know, especially with the team that I'm coaching right now. The boss is, you know, arguably one of the best guards, you know, in the league. Um, he can score, he can pass, he can get downhill. So I'm very excited to coach him. Um, Sean Marshall is one of the best scorers in the league. And the guys that we have around him have been playing for with each other for a very long time, you know. So we have we have continuity, we have chemistry, we have talent, you know, we have the coaching staff in place. So now it's just about putting it together. Absolutely. And uh, I, I think you kind of, you know, it mentioned it there with D with uh, D and it's something that we find a lot in TBT, the line between, you know, really good overseas players in the NBA. And, you know, now with TBT for my fourth year, uh, I've kind of realized that really the difference between being an NBA player or an overseas player is just kind of the situation you're in. And, so, you know, some of it comes down to skill. Some of it kind of just comes down to, you know, the situation uh, and, and where you're at in your, you know, personal life, in your career. Is that kind of something that you would agree with that, you know, that line between the guys you're going to coach and the NBA is so close and it really just kind of comes down to, uh, you know, different circumstances. But, you know, really that talent is very similar. Yeah, I think the talent is very similar. You know, it's just, about you know being fortunate in a fortunate situation um, where you have where you have guys that made it to the NBA and then you know some of the guys I don't look at them as the unfortunate you know I just look at it as that you know the circumstances that was different you know where they had to take a different route to be successful as a basketball player. Hopefully, as a coach, you know I get a chance to try to explain that part you know from the basketball side of things and let them know like hey look you guys are just as good you know these are some of the things that I want to implement with you guys to know that you guys are right there from a talent perspective. And I think me coaching can kind of give them an idea of what it's like to be in the NBA. And I think it's going to be good for them and for myself because, you know, I'm also going to be coaching the talent. That's going to be no different from coaching the talent in the NBA. And that's exactly what we heard from Wesley Matthews uh, as well, coaching the Marquette alumni team. Um, and he kind of echoed that same sentiment. And it's really kind of inspirational when you, you take a look at these guys and the drive they have to play in the NBA and kind of the, the format that, you know, they think TBT gives them. You know, it's a chance a chance for them to play on national TV, potentially win a lot of money, uh, you know, first and foremost. But, uh, you know, more than that, to play on national TV, to be able to play back in the United States where friends and family can watch watch them play. Uh, just what do you kind of think of that aspect of TBT, just being able to give these players an opportunity to, again, uh, play in front of friends and family and really prove themselves by playing on TV where they might not get that opportunity overseas too much? Yeah, I think this is a great opportunity for them. You know, they deserve it. They work just as hard as NBA players. Um, even though it's not the same platform, you know, their skills definitely, definitely need to be um, rewarded by watching and putting on display. So, I think it's a good idea for us to, you know, coach them and kind of understand where they came from and their background and how they got to where they at. And it's a good opportunity for them to try to see, like, you know, what we know about the NBA to give to them. But 
most of most importantly, it's not about us. It's about these players. I always felt like, you know, it's always about the players, and I'm excited to do this for them. Just curious, how much did you know about TBT? Obviously, when Sean kind of roped you in for this summer, but have you have you watched it before? Do you have an idea of, you know, how, you know, the talent that's played, or, or is this kind of your first jump into TBT? No, I knew about it. I knew about when it first came on and when they were talking about it and discussing that they wanted to do something like this two summers ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I've always been aware, you know, TBT. I've just never been actually a part of it as far as being a coach and, or helping out a team. But this is my first year being a coach. Uh, Sean asked me to coach the team, um, and I'm very excited to do that. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Uh, so you actually, at UCLA, you played in three Final Fours, um, which is kind of exactly the pressure kind of situation that you find in TBT. Obviously, you lose, you go home, and more importantly than that, uh, you don't win the $2 million if you lose a game. So uh, you know, how do you think that experience, you know, making those deep runs in three NCAA tournaments, how do you think uh, that, you know, coaching or that experience you're going to be able to bring to coaching, uh, and what kind of tips would you give your guys about playing in one-and-done basketball on really the highest stage? Well, I think they already have that experience. You know, everybody's played college at some point, and we kind of experienced the one-game elimination, you know, factor. So it's not going to be their first time experiencing it. Um, you know, me personally, I just think you just approach it as just one game. You know what I mean? You can't really think about all the negativity, you know, after the game where you're not going to win the money or you're going to lose the game. That's not good thoughts. But um, I think we'll be ready. We'll be prepared, and I can't wait. I'm curious, do you guys have, I know a lot of the alumni teams, you know, we have a lot of college alumni teams, so a Syracuse team will come together, or we have had Gonzaga team, Michigan State. They usually like to get together a couple of days to prepare, and they kind of have a training camp. Have you guys put anything in the works yet about getting together and getting the chemistry going before the tournament begins? Um, say it again. I can't. I, I, I you kind of broke up that last. Yeah, sorry. So we we've had a lot of alumni teams. You know, whether it be a Syracuse alumni team, a Michigan State alumni team, where they come together before the tournament and they practice a lot. Um, you know, they they set aside three to four days, and the coach, you know, they they run through plays and they have like a training camp, like you guys have in the NBA. Do you guys have anything planned similar for that to get together before the tournament begins and get uh, kind of that chemistry going a little bit? And like I said, you know, I don't want to give my secrets up <laughs> You know, you're on the side. That's all I got to say. All right. Yeah, we'll be looking uh, looking forward to finding out uh, once we get you guys in. I believe the West, you guys are playing in Las Vegas. Um, just a, a couple of quick questions just about you personally, because uh, you, you've really had a fascinating career between, you know, your college days and now uh, the NBA. So I actually went when doing a little bit of uh, legwork on you. I found out that you actually finished with the most wins in UCLA history, tied with 123. Um, you know, just can you just take us up through your college days a little bit? What was it like playing for such a historic program and finishing right now with the most wins in, in program history yeah I mean it was a great experience I got a chance I got a chance to play with a lot of great players while I was there um you know I had a great run with UCLA I met great people and it was just a great experience all in all um so hopefully I can take that experience with me as a coach and kind of learn from what I learned at UCLA in my years in the NBA and put it all together for myself I and I know you're you're very dedicated to Team Challenge ALS, but uh, you know anywhere in the future, any kind of inklings of maybe a UCLA alumni team? Um, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, and anything's on the table certainly, and you have no shortage yeah, I of see how the first. 
I want to see how this first experience goes, and you know, I can see that down the road. Yeah, and you guys, between you, Russ, Kevin Love, all of them, um, you certainly have would have no shortage of coaches. Do you keep up with them a lot? Obviously, you, you play against them all the time, but how kind of tight-knit is that UCLA basketball family? Do you guys all uh, kind of keep in touch? Yeah, we, we talk, you know, every now and then. Some of those guys are in the playoffs. Um, so, you know, it's just about me watching them on the on our NBA playoff platform right now, kind of picking their brains. But, um, yeah, we, can, we contact each other every now and then. And when we get the chance, we talk more. And I just one point I wanted to bring up, and I, I read a great story about your mother actually, who ran in the 1984 Olympics, uh, the, you know, ran track, and how you actually did a little bit of track when you were younger uh, as well. And I actually read a great story about how one time when you were in college, you brought home I, I think a C or something on your report card or whatever, and she told uh, the coach that if you, you know if he wants to keep you on the team, uh, then they better not you know plan trips while you have midterms or something like that. But just can you just talk about kind of the influence she had on your career? It seems like, uh, you know, whether it be in athletics, her being in the Olympics, or just, um, you know, just growing up, she was really just a, a great, great influence on you. Yeah, my parents always had a great influence on me. School was always first, you know, to them. And they kind of instilled that to me. Like, look, you're not going to be able to play no sports if you don't have your academic down pat. And that's probably one of the, I wanted to stay at UCLA all four years. You know, obviously, I could have left, you know, my first or second year in UCLA, but I decided to stay to get my degree, and I thought that was important. So I think that was a good cause that my mom did for me, and it played, it paid out good dividends for myself. Just two uh, quick questions. One, as a UCLA guy, what do you think of the whole uh, the the whole Ball family uh, drama? Are you kind of buy into that, or is that all overhyped? Um, I think the balls are going to be good. Um, you know, all the ball brothers are doing really well for themselves right now, you know. And I think Alonzo's going to have a good career in the NBA. You know, they're kind of from my area, too, so I'm a little biased, so I think they'll be all right. <laughs> Darren Carlson, you have been more than generous with your time. You guys are applying out of the West region. Team Challenge ALS. Uh, give them a vote. Give them a look if you haven't. Uh, Darren, thank you so much for your time, and we are looking forward to seeing you this summer. All right. No worries. I got you. Now welcoming Sean Green to the TBT podcast. Sean is a general manager and a power forward. Dual roles for Team Utah entering TBT 2017. Once again, Sean, thanks again uh, for so much of your time and, and hopping on the podcast. Oh, not a problem. It's my pleasure. It's always fun to talk to you guys. Sean, you're, you've been the general manager of a team that has had you know, a lot of success here in TBT. No, you haven't gotten to that Final Four, but you know, for people that, that haven't followed quite as closely and they're the newcomers to TBT are just starting to pay attention, you guys got to the Super 17 in 2015. You, know, you got to the quarterfinals last year in 2016. How, is it, how exciting is it to play with some of your former teammates you know, and try to get back to that $2, $2 million and try to win it this time? I think that's our main reason for playing is that, yeah, the money would be great and everything like that, but our main reason of playing is we all are, we all live in Utah, or the majority of us, we play together every summer, and it's just fun to go back to those college days where we all were teammates or used to work, work out with each other during the summer times and stuff like that, and then be able to play in a more 
structured, fun setting, kind of like an AAU circuit back in the day. Like it, it's just fun to kind of go play in those settings with a group of friends that you re- really enjoy playing with. What kind of memories does it bring back, you know, from your college days to playing with, with your guys now, you know, five, ten years later? Uh, it brings back a lot of memories, especially when we go and stay in a hotel together or stay. now we stay in houses sometimes when we go and play in this tournament with you guys. Um, it just brings back a lot of memories of fun road trips, tough times on the road, or just tough times in general. Playing with these guys, where that's where you grew the clo- uh, grew closer with them. And they weren't just teammates; they were brothers. And I think that that's the reason why everyone keeps coming back and playing in it every year with us. And we haven't had a lot of changes to our team because of that. Because it's just fun to go back and go compete at a high level. And you know, yeah, like I said before, the money is definitely an intrigue. But I think our main reason for playing is that we just truly enjoy being around each other and truly like playing the game of basketball together. Your team was on the doorstep of going to New York City in the Final Four last year. From 2015, can you kind of take me through the evolution of Team Utah and, and how you have built a team that has you know, sustained success for many years? For sure. Uh, in 2014, when we first started playing, uh, Jonathan Tavanari called me when I was still over in Spain playing and was asking if I would want to play in this tournament. I had never heard of it before. And so I was just like, yeah. And then he kind of leaned on me a little bit because I grew up here and have a lot of friends here that play basketball. So we kind of discussed and formed a team that we thought would be the best fit. And we weren't necessarily looking for the most talented or most athletic guys per se. We were more looking for team chemistry and just fits of what we would need as a team. So we were trying to look at it as like a general manager in the NBA. We don't necessarily need all-stars all the time. We need some bucket getters, but we also need some defensive players and we need drivers. We need shooters. We need all sorts of things. So that's kind of how we formed our team in 2014 and then we had uh Tavanar was going to play with us last year but he he hurt his ankle over in Italy and during the season so I kind of took over the general manager job and tried to add a few different pieces that I thought would just build on our team chemistry a couple guys that weren't available the first year but were available the second year and I thought would add and bring a lot of valuable pieces to uh, this puzzle we're trying to uh, finish. And last year we took another step and got a game farther. Um, We talk about it still. We feel like we had that game one against Team Colorado. Hats off to them. They played a great game. But we felt like we ran out of gas and we just weren't, weren't able to complete that game or finish that game off to get to that final four and so that's kind of been our motivation in the off season a lot of us um to stay in shape and get in better shape and come back ready ready to go and we've added another piece that is peter brown that he's just another athlete very smart player and um i think he's going to bring another dynamic to our team that's just going to help in what in what ways 
I think he's very good. Um, he's a very good rebounder. Like I said, he's a very good athlete. Athlete. Um, he's a very smart player on both ends of the floor. He always seems to be around the ball, has a nose for finding it off the off the rim or get his hand on a ball for a steal or whatever the case may be. And he's been playing with us during the summer times. And last year. Our team was full of who would have added him, and this year we had a spot open. So he 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 called me, and I was just like, "Yeah, we'd love to have you." And we've just started building since then, and we still have one more roster spot we're gonna fill, and we have a couple guys in mind, but we're we're waiting to see if our number one pit, number one choice is is ready to make his video and come out and say that he's gonna join our team. Was he a former Utah Ute or from the Beehive State? Um, he he played in Utah. He didn't he didn't play at the University of Utah. He played at Utah. Um, we're trying we're we're gonna keep it as a surprise. Uh, we're very close to convincing him to play, and uh, I'll say that he does have NBA experience. But that's all that's all we're we're, we're gonna release to everybody. We're gonna. Keep it as a surprise, and uh, hopefully he signs. And I think he's going to be kind of the X factor to get us over the edge. We're in the middle of the voting process, and as a general manager, can you explain to some of the fans, you know, that are listening into the podcast now, you know, just how how much fun it is to be a general manager during the voting process, and also some of the challenges, you know, that you're faced with. Oh, for sure, it's definitely a blast to be the be the guy that try and organize everything to get your guys together and whether that's play practice just be around each other to build that team camaraderie again that you had when you were in college or just from playing during the summer times um it's also a challenge because now as we're getting older a lot of us have families and kids and responsibilities with work and everything like that so that's always a, a challenge we meet at random times whether it's Wednesday Wednesday nights at 10 o'clock to go practice or Saturday early mornings or whatever the case may be we we always seem to find time to get get out and play and practice and sometimes it might not be all of us together it might be two or three of us but we're always trying to just continue to build on that chemistry and that camaraderie that we we focus on that we think that has been the main reason why we've had so much success in the tournament. We are just trying to build on that. Uh, some of the challenges as general manager is you, you have to get these votes. And so I feel like I'm annoying people on Facebook and all my social medias by posting links to get people to vote or sending direct messages to people to get them to vote. Um, we would just always try to entice them to tell them if we win, they get a piece of the money if they get, if they recruit more people to vote also. So it's a, it's a fun, but yet challenging process and trying to get my guys out there getting people to vote and stuff like that also is it's kind of like they, they look at me like that's my job. And I look at them as like, it's a lot easier if all of us do it. So I mean, but at the end of the day, it's all—it's nothing but fun, and we, we really enjoy it. That's why we've come back the last three years. Well, you guys are eligible, so congratulations. You're eligible for TBT 2017. 
Sean, I see a lot of similarities from this team from your college days. You know, you came into a Utah program where the team was right around 500 every year. And by the time you left, you had won 20 games your junior and senior season. You won an MWC conference tournament. Um, you know, what about those experiences in college have helped you, you know, lead a program uh, in TBT to success? Um, I feel like those those experiences have definitely helped because it was a building process and it was a growing process. I mean, the first year we came into it, we didn't really know what to expect. We didn't know if this was just a tournament that was ran great or not. We were pleasantly surprised because it was one of the best tournaments we've ever played in as far as outside of the NCAA. Like it's always been a great experience, very professional. Um, but I think as far as with Team Utah, it's it's the same thing as when I was a freshman and sophomore at Utah. You know, we had some pieces in there, and it was growing. And by the time I was a senior, we had all the right pieces in the right places to where we were able to be successful and make a run to get into the NCAA tournament. And I think that's the same thing with Team Utah. It's just every year we we keep our core together because we play really well together and we trust each other on and off the floor. And we add pieces here and there to where we can make a deeper and deeper run. And I think that's been the keys to our success so far and been the funnest part about being a general manager. But we also do it as a committee. I don't just rule as a dictator and tell people this is what's going on. I always, we're in a big group chat and, I make suggestions or other people make suggestions and we always vote on it or talk about it at least and see if everybody agrees with what direction we should go. Doing a lot of research on you, you know, you have two roles, like you said, you know, the general manager, you have the off the court, the business aspect, and then, you know, you're a power forward on the court, um, known for your defense, known for your intensity. I keep coming back to this one word that I see, you know, that describes you all the time and it's unselfish. So, Sean, let me ask you, how would you describe, you know, your leadership style? I think that's the perfect word to describe me as a leader in basketball and just as a person in society is I'm very unselfish. I want I want success for everybody that's close to me or in my circle. And these guys, I they're not only my friends, they're my brothers that I look at and I want nothing but success for them. So whether that means I need to be the one to amp up the intensity or I need to be the one to take a step back and let somebody else shine for a second on the offensive end and just play my role. I have no problem just being a supporting role or try to take more of the the burden on my shoulders. Whatever I can do to help my team or my brothers be successful is what I'm going to do. And I never had an issue with that or never looked at it as, well, I need to do more to get my name out there more, do more to for myself to be successful. I've always, I was brought up with my parents to where, you know, it's very, it's easier to build a, build a community when you have people around you that have the same ideas and same are driven for the same goals. And that's kind of what I've surrounded myself with is a bunch of people that have the same goals, same ambitions. And so it makes it very easy to be the guy that kind of 
do whatever needs to be done. And so that's my main main focus with Team Utah, especially right now when we're getting closer to playing in the tournament, is I'm going to do whatever it takes for us to take that next step. Outside of TBT, this past fall, you started a really special program called Congo Basketball. You know, can you give us a little background about Congo Basketball, where the word came from, who you started it with? Yeah, so Congo Basketball started with my buddy Chaz Walker, who played football at the University of Utah um, when I was playing basketball. And he was a linebacker, and as a lot of people know, football players are pretty crazy, so... They all came up with names for themselves, whether the linebackers, the receivers, or the lines. And the linebackers were called the Congo. So instead of calling it the Chaz Walker Gym, he called it the Congo Gym, which was specializing in speed, agility, and quickness and strength with um, personal, personal workouts developed for whichever player and whichever sport and whichever position they're playing. And this past fall, he, he took the step into getting into youth sports. So I made a phone call to him because I saw he started a basketball program. And I said, no disrespect, Chaz, but you're a football guy. Let me, let me run your basketball stuff. So I kind of stepped in and took over the basketball program. And my main goal with it was to kind of give back the knowledge I've learned from so, so many of the great coaches and players I've been around from all over the world and teach these kids skills that I feel like will help them with whatever their goals are with basketball or sports or just in life in general. And we started it with a group of three teams that the kids didn't make other comp programs or didn't make their junior high teams or this was the first time ever playing comp AAU basketball. And that's been the most rewarding thing for me is to see those guys over the past four or five months turn into basketball players to where now they're having some success and they've bought into what I've been teaching them. And we've grown to where we had three teams. Now we have 11 teams, second grade through eighth. And just trying to continue to grow grow the program, but also build it the right way and get people and other coaches involved. Um, like Tim Drisdom, who plays on Team Utah, and his little brother Terrence, when he's in town, he comes out and helps out all the time. Um, pretty much a lot of the guys from Team Utah, if I get thinking about it, Dakari helps out, and Lawrence Bora comes and coaches as well. And we're just trying to teach these kids not only basketball skills but just life skills to be successful that if times are tough or you get knocked down it doesn't matter you just got to put in the work and put in the time and effort and you're going to be able to succeed in whatever you want to so that's our main focus with this Congo basketball and it's been a fun thing Sean what about you and your teammates and you know the makeups of all your DNAs individually makes you connect to these kids and want to give back I just think me growing up here, it's been very easy for me to connect with the kids um, just because I was one of them growing up. And I wish I had, like, when I was growing up, I just either had my dad or one of my friend's dads that maybe played high school basketball and possibly played in college a little bit at a smaller school. 
Um, but I never really had guys like like we have now with myself and some of these guys on Team Utah with me around to kind of teach me or help me with personal individual skills, let alone team skills. It was once I got to uh, high school with my high school coach, Matt Barnes, is where I really started developing like my individual skills, my individual confidence, and just growing as team and knowing that you're only going to be as successful as your team grows and get better. Um, and But with the other guys, I think they just got embraced so much by the community when they came here to go to school at the University of Utah because the majority of them, I mean, Tim and Richard Cheney and Brian Marks and Lawrence Bora, Dakari Tucker, they're all from other states outside of Utah that just came here for the same reason, to go to school and play basketball. But they were embraced so much by the community that I think it's very easy for them to want to give back in whichever way they can. And I think basketball is just the easiest way for us right now, but I I, I know in the future we'll have a lot more. We're going to... I mean, with just with me myself, the Congo basketball is one avenue, but we're going to start a uh, nonprofit called Congo Cares to help underprivileged youth or parents who not maybe can't afford comp sports be able to afford playing. Whether that's we pay for league fees or tournament fees or just outfitting the kids with the proper equipment, and we're in the process of getting that up and going and. So there's just a lot that we're just trying to give back to the youth of Utah. And, I mean, it's been nothing but a blessing and been a lot of fun to give back and see these kids grow. How have you seen your community, you know, surround your team and Team Utah and give you guys the support when you enter TBT every summer? Uh, It's been great. We've definitely had a lot of fans reach out to us. I mean, the first year, nobody really knew what it was, and, so it wasn't. It was mostly our family and friends that we kind of talked about and told told them what the tournament was about and everything like that. But it definitely grown year year in year out. Um, going into this year, we've definitely received a lot more messages via social media or just when we go and play at a at the local rec center just to practice or whatnot the people around just walk up to us and say that they'll be watching or they watched us last year. We were so close and they can't wait to see us go at it again and represent um, Utah and their community in this basketball tournament and just show that even though not necessarily all of us are from here, but we all live here now and we all take a personal pride in showing that Utah is a basketball state and is ready to compete and play with anybody from anywhere at any time. Sean Green, general manager of Team Utah. Thanks for hopping on the podcast, giving us a little bit of your time. Not a problem. Thank you, guys. All right, that was great stuff, guys. Uh, Maury, let's start with you, with Sean. I mean, it really does sound like he's pretty invested in trying to help everybody out there in Utah, those kids that maybe haven't gotten that chance yet. Yeah, Dan, it seems like he, he's made so many, you know, so so much progress uh, just since the fall. He started in the in the fall, like he said, and, you know, just being able to give back to the community is one of the, you know, great aspects, 
know that we've seen you know in TBT whether it's winning uh, winning money and giving back uh, to the community or you know players themselves starting an organization starting a, a strength uh, and agility um, organization where, where a lot of kids can come in and, and play the game of basketball that they all love so you know everyone is sharing in that uh, same common joy of playing the game of basketball and Sean's having you know a great experience on the sidelines um, let me ask you guys this when you were kids growing up did they have strength and conditioning programs that like athletes were going to I I can't say that they did uh, sorry to cut you off Josh I mean Josh you can chime in too I mean for me it was more about you know the community more about playing for your hometown more about playing for the you know the name on the front of your jersey rather than you know trying to <laughs> the just, name on the back you know, improve <laughs> no I don't want to be that cliche but yeah. you know uh, growing up especially you know like like my dad played back in the in the 60s and the 70s so they didn't really have too much my dad kind of steered me away from it I'm sure they had a little bit you know AAU they blow that up a little bit nowadays um, you know, just to get every single player out there and, and have them maximize everyone's, you know, well, everyone's thing, potential. I think, but. I think the thing that I find interesting, though, is that it's not just the training now at a young age is not just about the sport specific that you're playing. It's about overall athleticism. And that's the part that when I was a kid, you know, you had to seek that out on your own. Like if you wanted to, to drop your 40 time or you wanted to increase your strength or whatever, those are things you had to do on your own. They didn't have programs and essentially coaches for that. I think it's interesting that that's now a development because that's frankly one of the things that really prevents a lot of kids from making it at the higher level is that they're just not good enough athletes. You know, people mature at different ages and all that kind of stuff. But um, I think that's interesting and good for Sean for kind of picking up on that that market opportunity there uh, for him to do that. Josh, your interview with Darren was fantastic. I mean, it really did get an, an impression from him that ALS is something he really didn't know a whole lot about and then has done that all that research to to really figure out what it is that this disease does and why they're playing uh, for and in, in behalf of uh, the ALS Association. Yeah, and you kind of said it right there. And uh, it, it's kind of how can you not once you uh, kind of do some research about Pete and obviously ALS in general. Um, and yeah, I mean, again, he just said that, you know, he had heard about TBT, was always interested in TBT, but this was a great opportunity. You know, he knows Sean Marshall, uh, obviously, so there's a connection right there. But, you know, more than that, to be able to play for something or coach for something, in his case, kind of bigger than himself was what really drawed him in uh, and really kind of, um, you know, attracted him to this Team Challenge ALS team. So uh, really kind of inspirational to hear a guy like that. You know, he could be spending his off season in Mexico. He could be going to, you know, you know, going all over Europe. He could be going to the Caribbean, but uh, he's coaching for a good cause, uh, a really good group of players. Uh, I Hopefully we'll have an interview with D-Boss coming out soon, uh, another one playing for ALS. So, you know, really kind of inspirational to see him put aside, you know, um, gallivanting around the world and, and, you know, trying to coach for this cause and really raise some money. And, uh, you know, money aside, just the awareness that they're going to get is uh, kind of invaluable in itself. So should be a, a great summer for them and really looking forward to seeing Darren patrolling the sidelines over in Vegas. No question. That Vegas region is loaded, too. It's really impressive, the, the high caliber teams that are out there. There's probably seven or eight eligible right now that are uh, – Really, really top-notch. All right, guys, I know we got some updates from uh, either around the world or, or TBT-wise, but uh, who wants to start on that front? Josh, you could start. All right, cool. I'll get right into it. Uh, a couple of them are updates we've actually put out on social or on our website, and then a couple of new ones as well, but I think worth mentioning. 
Uh, Davin White, Dan, a guy that uh, a fan favorite in TBT, a a TBT semifinalist in 2015. He won the Basketball Champions League. He plays over in the Canary Islands over in Spain. He scored 14 points in the championship game, including a crucial stretch at the end of the game where he actually scored five points in a row to put his team up six and really kind of end the game. It was done from there. So, uh, no, big congrats to Davin winning over in Spain. Tim Abramitis, who played on the Notre Dame fighting alumni team in 2014 or 2015 uh actually was is on that team as well so uh Dan great to see Davin win that championship and really have a a great stretch for them in that fourth quarter where he put the game away yeah he's had an unbelievable um late stage career you know like some guys just put it together late and you know I remember talking to him about this probably in the fall of uh, 2015 and what he said was that if he could have shot like he did, like he does now when he was in his early 20s, this guy was the limit. And it's just as amazing. He's such an incredible shooter. And obviously has the athleticism still and the and the ball handling skills and just the desire to want to be good to really make it happen. So really great news for Davin and um, obviously for Tenerife in general. Can you imagine playing on the Canary Islands? Like that's where he lives. It's, it's nuts. And I think I, when I listened to your interview, he was able to move his whole family there as well. Yeah. Uh, so it's the life right there. If I was him, I wouldn't bother coming back. But I thought with him, one of the most interesting things is he's really kind of found a home with that team. We talk so much with these players about how it's jumping year to year from team to team. But Davin White, uh, this is at least his second, maybe his third straight year with that uh, with that Eber Star Tenerife team on the Canary Islands. So good for him finding a home there, too. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. That's great. All right, what else you get? Yeah, so the the big update in the D-League, which if you go check out the tournament.com, more information there. But worth again, worth mentioning here, too. Mark Hughes, Will Sheehy, EJ Singler, and Christian Watford, all D-League champions with Raptors 905. Mark Hughes is the coach of Train to Go, listed as a GM, but he serves as the coach as well for Train to Go. Will Sheehy, EJ Singler, and Christian Watford, all members of Armored Athlete. Again, they are the D-League champions. They won their best of three series against the Rio Grande Valley Vipers and they just had a real kind of magical year. They won 39 games which was the most of any team in the league. They really stormed through the postseason and uh, you know, congratulations to them. EJ Singler who played for BC Portland last year, he had uh, kind of a big postseason. He had 15 points in that clinching game three. Uh, he also had a 17 point and an 18 point performance throughout the playoffs. So uh, again, the th- three armored athlete players and Mark Hughes D League champions. Hopefully, uh, also thinking of Will Sheehy, who had to miss the whole postseason with an elbow injury. Hopefully, he's all recovered and ready to go by TBT. But a uh, really nice story there, Dan. The three of them winning, especially considering the three players all come from the same team. Really kind of invaluable experience to. Bring in the TBT no no question no question I think honestly any type of environment that you can play in that's high pressure and uh, where you have to win is going to be valuable I think playing in this in this tournament so good for those guys I was watching that game uh, pretty interesting and um, you know certainly was intense uh, so they're good for those guys for, for winning that that uh, championship anything else you got Yep, yeah, a couple more updates to go. James Minor-Bell and Tyrone Nash, two uh, TBT mainstays. Minor-Bell played for the Liberty Ballers and Supernova, uh, which is his, obviously, college alumni team. And Tyrone Nash, a member of the Notre Dame fighting alumni the two years in 2014 and 2015. Uh, the two of them And Talladega named- Knights last year. Oh, he did. That's right. Yeah. Talladega Knights, That's who right. is actually one of the leading fan vote uh, you know, recipients this year. So we'll see if he's back with them. Uh, either way, the two 
I call them TVT legends, Dan, were named Israeli Winter League Players of the Week. Uh, the Israel League, really, a really good league, uh, and, and both of them playing well. Bell, he plays for second place, Happel Halone, uh, and he uh, he actually plays with, excuse me, Khalif Wyatt from the North Broad Street Bullies. Well, either way, Bell dropped 28 points and 10 rebounds. They had a tough game on Friday night against Maccabi Haifa. Uh, who's a, another really good team in that league. But he's having a great year, averaging 16.3 points and 5.2 rebounds per game. And how about Nash? 16 points and 14 rebounds for Ironi Naharaya uh, in a 75-68 win over Maccabi Ashdod. Nash, he actually plays with Yancey Gates from Brothers Dat, Dat, Dat Ball, excuse me, and Gilbert Brown from the Untouchables. And Nash is averaging 8 points and 5 rebounds for, uh, per game. Sean Jones from the Blue Zoo, that Middle Tennessee team looking to get into TBT for the first time. Six foot eight center recently actually just went from Israel to Italy, where he's now playing, and he's already playing great for his new team. I called Skadone of Avellino. He actually plays with Adonis Thomas, who played for the Bluff City Blues last year. Uh, Jones had 12 points and 11 rebounds in just his second game with the team. His first game, he had 15 points and 7 rebounds. So playing really well in Italy with his new home. Uh, and the Blue Zoop having a, a good kind of performance so far early on. They're 10th in fan voting in a tough South region. So we'll see if they can move into popularity bid territory in the final month. Uh, another Alumni team, Purple and Black, Lance Harris. He uh, had a great performance with that team in TBT 2016. Now he's playing over in France for Shalom, averaging 12.4 points per game. He was actually just named the league's player of the week after netting a double-double with 27 points and 10 rebounds in an 84-70 win over Dijon. He actually shot 71.4% from the field in that game. He went 5 for 9 from 3-point land. Uh, and he actually plays with Cameron Clark, who is a member of the Untouchables, who's averaging a team-high 19 points. One more update. Hakeem Warwick was named the MVP of the Puerto Rican BSN League. Kind of fitting now that Bayham's Army is back in TBT officially as of Monday. The 34-year-old Ford had a game-high 19 points and 9 rebounds uh, for Ponce. That's the name of his team he plays when And they beat San German 102-87 to uh, Ponce having a very good year, third right now in the Puerto Rican BSN League. Warwick having uh, a really great year himself, shooting 53.5% from the field, averaging 19.8 points per game. So a lot of good stuff all around. TBT players all around the world finishing their year strong. Absolutely. It'd be interesting to see if Akeem is back with uh, Bayham's Army this year. You know, with it being in Philly, he's a Philly guy. So hopefully we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Maury, what have you got? Yeah, Dan. So, you know, I looked at a lot of players this week who played mid-major or low-major college basketball who a lot of people might not know of, but who are really putting up big-time numbers overseas and, you know, should look out for them this upcoming summer in TBT. We'll start with someone who's actually in the finals, uh, going with a little bit of that Raptors 905 love. Alonzo Coleman uh, played at Presbyterian uh, he is going to play on the NC Prodigal Suns team this year, that Charlotte-based team in North Carolina. He's playing in Finland's top division this year, averaging 12 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists. He's led his team to a 28-8 and record, a number one seed in the playoffs. And just a couple days ago, uh, in Game 7 of the semifinal round, he notched 15 points to go along with 19 rebounds. Coleman averaged 11 rebounds a game in that semifinal series, a game, a series that was, you know, in fact, going back and forth. His team won the first game, the other team won the next, back and forth until game seven. And Coleman led his team 
to the win. The finals uh, for Alonzo Coleman starts May 2nd. Jordan Crawford, who played at Bowling Green in the MAC, uh, will play for Team Fredette this summer. Team Fredette team nearing you know about 500 votes as of today on Monday, May 1st. Uh, he's averaging 22 points and over five assists per game. He's a five-six point guard. Dan, I'll ask you: Is is Jordan Crawford going to be one of the smallest players in TBT, if not the smallest player? Mm, he won't be the shortest, I don't think. Uh, I'm forgetting his name. There's a point guard who plays for the Jackson, Tennessee Underdogs. Who? Yeah, uh, Simpson, I believe it's. Yeah, I think he hasn't beat. But uh, you know, it's interesting because I I feel like what. I see every summer is that some of the point guards that have been, I don't know, dismissed or rejected because of their height, you know, like Daniel Ruffin is a good example last summer. Uh, that guy hasn't played professionally in like eight or nine years, and he was dominant all throughout TPT in, in the Midwest region, especially last last summer. Right, Josh? Yeah, yeah. He was one of the best players in that region. LeVance Fields, he hasn't played professionally yeah, that's right. in a while size guard so there's a ton of them yeah like, so it's like these guys are so skilled and they're so good and they just haven't been given an opportunity you know and it's like you know you look at the nba right now and isaiah thomas is a great example with the celtics that's a guy that very easily you know could not have had the career that he have had and has continued to have if not for that chance so interesting i'm interested to see what jordan crawford does because i think he's a very good player and so it'll be interesting to see how he matches up with some of those uh, other point guards out there in the west but what's up with him uh, like I said, Crawford averaging 22 points a game. He's playing in Mexico this year. Uh, once again, he will be suiting up for Team Fredette this summer. Christian Burns, uh, you know, who actually played on his home court in TBT. He played for Philadelphia University after a couple of years in Division One early on in his career. Philadelphia University, the host of the Northeast Regional. He played for Herb McGee, uh, one of the you know all-time leading. Uh, win, who has one of the all-time leading wins marks uh, in college basketball, regardless of division. Burns was a Division II All-American there, hitting 11.5 points a game, uh, 6.5 rebounds per game. Uh, like I said, coming from Philadelphia University, he scored 17 points and had 7 rebounds in a win on Sunday afternoon. And right now his team sitting in 11th place, but they played a 7th place team in the regular season finale. So a big one coming up for Burns, and he should be ready. Yeah, Dan, my final update is from Silver Springs Willows Runners, a team, you know, from from the Maryland area, uh, a, t- a team that, you know, majority of the players played for Silver for Springbrook High School in Silver Springs, Maryland. Jamal Olasawer played for LIU Brooklyn, really decorated mid-major basketball career, you know, won three NEC titles, was the NEC Player of the Year, an honorable mention All-American in 2013. Right now, he's playing in Israel, averaging 17.5 points per game, along with a little over eight rebounds per game. Lossawar is a 6'7 small forward, once again, from LIU Brooklyn. He'll be suiting up for the Willows Runners. And his teammate, who he won a high school state championship with, is Deshaunt Walker, who played at Stephen F. Austin. They've made some noise as a mid-major in the NCAA tournament in recent years. Walker's averaging a little over 22 points a game four rebounds a game and three assists per game. He can do a little bit of everything. He's a point guard for the Willows Runners this summer. That's awesome. Great updates, guys. I love all this stuff that these guys are up to. And I say it every week, but I sound like a broken record probably. But I love hearing what they're up to all around the world. It's incredible the the links that people go to chase the dream. And really, that's what uh, TBT is all about. Uh, guys, a couple of really cool teams are um, in the works right now. I'm not going to say too much about it, but there's a combination effort undertaking that I think Anybody that really follows international basketball is going to be astounded uh, that these two guys are playing in the same backcourt. Uh, both of them play on EuroLeague teams. I'll just say that. 
and both of them are, I would say, heavily scouted uh, by the NBA teams. So it's going to be fascinating if they can pull this one off. I won't talk too much more about that one. And then the other one is an alumni team from the Big Ten that uh, has a rabid and perhaps the biggest following uh, of any school in the country. So I'll say that one. That one. That's another one I'm looking forward to. Any guesses on that one? I do have my guesses. I don't know if you want me to. No, don't guess. Don't guess on the air. But we'll talk about it off here. And uh, that one's going to be fantastic too. All right, guys. Remember that you can subscribe to the TBT Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Remember that if you have not already shared the TBT Podcast with all your friends and family, Apple could not make it more easier for you to do that. You just click the little text button, send it off to all your friends and family. They'll be as into TBT and know as much about TBT as you do. Uh, Remember that you can follow us on social media at the tournament on Twitter, where facebook.com backslash the tournament, the dot tournament on Instagram, and Viber, which is Josh's favorite uh, social media app of 2017, where the tournament there as well. Lots of great stuff is coming out every day. And also, uh, remember that these teams are out looking for your votes until June 1st. So remember that June 1st is the qualification period. Uh, After that, we have the Jamboree, which is going to be an amazing play-in event that's going to happen uh, on June 17th and 18th in Philadelphia. Uh, we're going to have the revolutionary Elam ending at the Jamboree, which I personally cannot wait to see that happen. Mori, I don't think I've gotten your opinion on the Elam ending. What do you think of it? Yeah, I, I listened to your interview a couple weeks back, Dan. I like it. You know, I, I think as long as you you know, you know set that score and you know, as long as the team gets there, I, I think it's fine. I think it's going to you know shorten the games. And I think a lot of the times, you know, the whole point of it is to know to to make sure the last two minutes of a game doesn't take 20 minutes so i'm all in favor for it excellent all right well elam ending is going to make its debut in in international and worldwide debut and universal debut i would even go so far as to say uh, on june 17th in philadelphia for the jamboree if you're a team that's looking to get into tbt and you're looking for a way to make it in and you're worried about the voting the jamboree is absolutely the way for you to go Uh, you can reach out to us at the tournament.com and we'll be happy to help you uh, make your team and get into the jamboree there's already a slot that's been taken in the jamboree so don't be uh don't be late it's limited to the first 16 and four per region all right guys any parting shots anything you want to say to those teams that are applying and have another month to go i i from experience i would say don't let up uh and two try to get this is something you stressed in get ed- eligible as soon as you can it's so much easier to just continue racking up the votes when you have that little eligible uh kind of sign right next to you so keep working a month ago it's a it's a marathon not a sprint but we're getting there yeah the last lap is going to be brutal i know that all right remember to subscribe and tell your friends thanks a lot guys and we'll talk next week <laughs>